In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. Ben Grant joined as always by JB as we get you set for Touchdown Atlantic. There's a lot of stuff to talk about this week. All the festivities going on in Halifax, of course. We want to break down some of the injury news that we just got today. Plus, we're going to talk about the importance of this game for both teams. But really, we're going to focus on the Argonaut side of it. And kind of discuss how bye weeks might factor into this, knowing that the Argos have already had two buys. Saskatchewan hasn't had one yet. We'll get OCDC coming your way, plus predictions, one thing, fantasy advice, and our picks for all the games in the CFL. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. TD Atlantic, JB, can you smell the ocean yet? <laughs> um, I can here from uh, beautiful, beautiful downtown Edmonston. So you're about uh, halfway there, a little more than halfway there? A little more than halfway, yeah. Yeah, it's great to be able to have, not only just to have you going to the game and to take part in all the festivities, but being from that area, having you actually know where everything is makes it a lot easier. And I think it's it's just cool to be able to sort of send you back home for, for this week because there's a lot of stuff going on. And I know you're going to have to plan your, your daily calendar well to make sure you get to all the events, <laughs> mm-hmm. but... Yeah, I thought I would just sort of walk through some of the things because I know we've got a lot of listeners going at practice today. We had a few fans that were that were there watching the Argos and just talking to a few of them. Are you, are you going to the game? Are you going to Halifax? And and everybody was, which is it's pretty amazing to me. I think that's awesome. So, um, yeah, let's look through some of the events they've got going. So things really start off on Thursday. So the Argos are, are arriving Wednesday. Uh, and then Thursday is when everything begins. And basically... Starting at 11 a.m., running all the way through to 11 p.m., they've got uh, a party. So for for family-friendly things, they've always got stuff every day from 11 till 6. That's like your, your face painting, balloon artists. Um, the Grey Cup, of course, is going to be there. There's going to be Argos and Riders players uh, for autographs, etc. And then for the like 19-plus crowd, um, all the way up until 11 p.m., uh, there's all sorts of stuff. On on f- Thursday, uh, they're sort of kicking things off at, at 5 o'clock is when that side of the festivities begin. And it's it's being hosted in conjunction with not only the Riders and Argos, but also the Atlantic Schooners, which I think is kind of interesting. I want to see sort of what that is all about. And I wonder if we get some sort of official announcement. I think that would be pretty cool. But they're doing uh, Pride flag raising uh, for the Pride Festival at, at 5 o'clock. There's going to be the Grey Cup photo opportunities, speeches, musical entertainment, uh, all uh, into the evening. And that's running basically Thursday uh, and Friday as well. Um, and then Friday, no, sorry, Thursday evening, JB, you got to make a choice here because there's two events to cover. You've got a sort of a flag football clinic that is going to be uh, sort of hosted by the Argos and Rough Riders individually, because you've got two different events going on, one in Elmsdale, one in Windsor, Nova Scotia, uh, and there'll be autograph sessions, etc. But there's also at the Garrison Grounds in Halifax, a football learn and play event. And this is being hosted by Halifax Explosion, which is Halifax's women's tackle football team. And it's a chance to ask questions, to learn about the the basic rules of football, uh, with help from CFL experts as well as the Halifax Explosion. 
and then that will culminate in a flag football game and mix and mingle skills and drills uh etc so which which of these events are you heading to thursday night yeah that's uh that sounds you know i mean it's nice to have that many choices I'll probably stay to the one that's in halifax i'd love to see um the women's football and uh, what drills they're doing and you know i'm certainly up for for supporting the team and supporting that that league hopefully there's a there's a really nice turnout for that i'm i'm curious to see um who comes and uh and you know what they run through, but I mean, I think that sounds like a, a you know a fantastic night, actually. Yeah, it should be great, and and the the music and everything else too. Pictures with the great cup, like all that stuff's great. Autographs from from the players on both teams, and then it's basically the same setup again for for Friday in terms of what's going on in Parade Square. Uh, again, the family friendly entertainment, the uh, plus the. Um, uh, the 19 plus uh, drinks and 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 music crowd, uh, and then on Saturday, of course, the game day, uh, the Twisted Tea tailgate party starts at 11 a.m. and that's uh, at Presidents Field, which is just next to Raymond Field in in Wolfville and on the Acadia campus. Uh, and again, there's going to be live entertainment, food and beverage vendors, uh, all that stuff. And I think that that is only accessible with a game day ticket. But you're probably only going to. We'll fill if you've got a ticket to the game anyway. So I think that's that's okay. But just to be clear on that. And then, of course, kickoff is 3 p.m. Atlantic or 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and then after the game, you bring the party back to Halifax. Everyone, I guess, is gathering again in downtown Halifax uh, for more live entertainment, food trucks, etc. Uh, into the evening. So it's all in all going to be pretty jam-packed Thursday through Saturday. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to hear your your reports and, yeah. and just how those events are going down. Yeah, I mean, I, I full credit. I mean, it sounds like they've really put some thought into this and, you know, trying to turn it into, you know, a real week of events. I think people will be up for that in Halifax. Hopefully, knock on wood, we, we get some nice weather. It's not necessarily a guarantee in July in Halifax. But um, yeah, I, I'm really excited. And I think the game is going to be um, a fantastic vibe. You know, I think you put 10,000 people uh, into that stadium, it's going to feel like a lot more people just because of the compressed nature of it. Uh, People will probably be um, in high spirits for a 3 o'clock kickoff. So you put those two together, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the, the game day. Who is Halifax's team? Because I'm just kind of wondering, like, what is the stadium going to look like? You got 10,000 people in there. And anytime you've got a neutral site stadium, it's like you remember even when we had the the Buffalo Bills games uh, at Rogers Center. And it was just sort of this weird mix of like, there are a lot of Bills fans. And then there's just some general football fans, people that are curious, fans from opposing teams and fans of, you know, other teams around the league. What is this crowd going to look like? I, I hope not that in truth, because that was just the worst vibe. But uh, I fear that it is going to be a Saskatchewan crowd. That, that's my fear. My fear is Saskatchewan fans travel well. They're all going to jump on this opportunity, come to Nova Scotia for a week. Um, I'm, I would be shocked if it's not a 70-30 split in the crowd for Saskatchewan, uh, Toronto, people like the Leafs out East, but in general, Toronto 
can be a bit of a swear word in Halifax. <laughs> so like I wouldn't say that they will have a natural uh, home crowd support. So I I do fear for that. I think I think it's going to be a Saskatchewan home game. Yeah, that's and I guess all you're saying all of these Rough Rider fans will be traveling. There's not like a it's not like no, a no, no. I, I think fans. I think there's going to be a bunch of watermelons at the airport. That is my fear. <laughs> uh, I think that's uh, probably likely. But we'll see. You know, we'll see. I, I'm curious. But you know, like it sold out so quickly. Um, I know there is interest in football out east, but it sold out like. You know, like a, you know, uh, an ACDC concert. Um, <laughs> ACDC. Well, that was the last concert I tried to buy tickets for that sold out immediately. Uh, <laughs> it sold out almost immediately. That doesn't feel like Halifax. That feels like Saskatchewan. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm, I'm interested to see. I, I really don't. I kind of agree with you. I think it's going to be leaning that way, but... It's it's just a long way to go. Like that's the, I I know they travel well, and and anytime Saskatchewan plays at BMO, you see a ton of well with, of Rough with Rider the Great Cup at home. Maybe they take that Great Cup travel money. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I'll maybe. I'll have my Les Nesman report from uh, yeah from Saturday, <laughs> but uh, that that is my educated guess. It's going to be a lot of Saskatchewan fans. Let's get into our injury report. The injury report for the Argos was actually pretty good. It just got released today. There are a few players that weren't at practice uh, for non-injury situations. So I, I was nervous. Like when I first arrived at practice, I look around and I'm like, okay, no Winton McManus. That's not good. No Chad Kelly. That's not great. Um, no Eric Sutton. And so missing a, a couple guys like that. But they're non-injury related. Uh, kind of reading between the lines, it sounded like Chad Kelly and Wynton McManus would be available for the game, but I, I don't have I don't have that word for word, but I, I'm not too worried about that, just based on how that was framed. A couple of pieces of good news. So Isaiah Cage was up and practicing full. He looked really good, and he was really going. So uh, hopefully there are no setbacks tomorrow. He's, he's feeling good tomorrow, and that uh, would suggest that maybe this is Isaiah Cage's uh, debut um, or re-debut uh, for the first time since mid-season 2019. So I'm very encouraged about that. But of course, the Argos couldn't possibly have a fully healthy O-line because there's, and I guess we're waiting on Peter Nicastro anyway, but um, yeah, midway through practice, I noticed uh, Philip Lake getting some attention um, and he was he was limited for the rest of practice, uh, what's listed as a groin injury. Um, hopefully he's able to recover from that and he's able to go. He's a really big piece. Uh, Mike Mitchell mentioned in his article today for CFL News Hub, just how key he is because of the fact that he's also the backup center. And of course, now with uh, Zamora being released, you're if you need an, to dress another center, and you really should, you can't just go into a game with only one guy who knows how to play center, um, then you're, you're looking at, at Braden Knoll, I guess, is your only other option. So, uh, and he's just, he's really not ready yet. So Philip Lake, hopefully uh, it's okay. Hopefully this is just a minor thing. And uh, he'll be going full by the end of the week. But that's one that we do want to keep an eye on. I, I, but otherwise, yeah, really healthy. I wonder how traveling early affects their ruling people in and out. It's it's tough because you have to, 
you don't necessarily make like because you could you could travel with more right like you could travel with everybody really in theory and then you've still got a few practices leading up to the game and then you say okay no, these i agree are our- I, I just don't know yeah i don't know like i wonder if they're gonna make make decisions they probably just dealing with these injuries. Like, I think they probably right now have a pretty good sense of how serious this is with Philip Lake. I think they probably know right away, like, okay, this he's, I think he's going to be okay. Um, and I would imagine that, I would imagine he'll be traveling and Isaiah Cage will be traveling, like, regardless until they can get a better sense of it because they're leaving Wednesday. So it doesn't really give you a lot of time to evaluate. Now, if we look at the the other side of things, this is where things get interesting because... Saskatchewan this year has had by far the best defensive line in the CFL and they've suddenly got a few holes potentially so uh, Pete Robertson uh, didn't practice at all today with that foot injury we saw that uh, occur during the game last week one of the things that that initiated everything Uh, Garrett Marino has been suspended um, for four games which I know a lot of people feel isn't enough even though it's the longest suspension in CFL history, that's, you know, really not necessarily saying too much. Um, And, you know, that may mean, are we going to see the Charleston Hughes experience uh, up against the Toronto Argonauts? How do you feel about about (laughs) that situation? Well, I mean, he will be fired up. I mean, teams are always fired (laughs) up when you play your old team. I mean, I thought, I, I don't know what happened behind closed doors. I thought, in general, that uh, that he was treated well by by Toronto, um, but having him hungry and that line allows him to hunt, uh, it is worrying. Saskatchewan is also going to be short uh, in their receiving core. I know it seems it's hard to say because it is so early still, but it seems like they're going to be missing uh, Mitchell Picton. Uh, who I really like as a receiver. Kieran Moore was limited today. I think he's probably going to go, but I think Picton's going to be out. So, um, you know, missing him, uh, that that is a, a, a big deal, especially uh, given the receivers that they've had injured all year long. And I know they, they looked okay last week, but um, yeah, without Picton there, that does change things a little bit. But I think that's the encouraging thing for Toronto is for the first time all year, they've had what looks like a normal looking injury list and the team coming in on the other side has had double that. And so we're used to it being the other way around since the opener. So it's nice to see that the Argos aren't the, the more injured team coming into this one. And, you know, really half the people on their injury list are just people that were excused for non-injury related reasons. So uh, I, I feel good about the, the health of the team right now, which is, I, I guess, good because they have had two bye weeks. But that's going to get us into our next segment here, JB. So where do you stand on the Argos bye situation? They've had two buys to this point, week one and week five. And Saskatchewan has not had a bye yet. In fact, they don't have their first bye until week nine. Who has the advantage in this scenario? I think it's why it's so important for Toronto to win this game. Um, you know, to have those two early buys, you've got to, you have to win the game against a team who hasn't had a buy because that means the dog days are coming. Um, so I think it really accentuates how, how important it is to try and get a result from Saskatchewan here. Yeah, I, I think and the importance of this week regardless like not even talking about the buys but we're 
in the midst of a two-game losing streak with the potential of a loss against Saskatchewan and Halifax this week, and now you're going to Regina to Mosaic Stadium, a place that is really tough to win, and that suddenly becomes a must-win game because you don't want to lose four in a row. The good thing for the Argos is that the rest of the division can't seem to buy themselves a win, but at, at some point that's going to stop, and at some point things are going to balance out. And so the Argos really do need to take advantage of this. So this feels far more must-win than the standings would suggest. The Argos are, are still in first place in the East, but yeah, it's, it's feeling a little bit dire to me. Um, but I think the advantage actually goes to Saskatchewan at this stage. Obviously, the Argos are more healthy, and I think that that is, I think it's partially related to the, the bye week scenario. But I think the advantage of not having a bye early is that Saskatchewan has really been able to gel. I know they've lost some key pieces uh, along the way, but they, they've played a bunch of games, and the Argos really haven't. It's just been like, on and off, on and off. And uh, Saskatchewan hasn't had that. So I feel like Saskatchewan should be a far more polished team at this point in the season because they've had to play every single week. But the question is, will the rest offset that, the rest that Toronto has had? But yeah, it's it's a hugely important game for the Argos. Not that it's not important for the Rough Riders because their whole division just keeps winning. They've got two undefeated teams in that division. Um, that's about to to come to a head this week. You've got Calgary playing Winnipeg and then BC with one loss who Saskatchewan is tied with. So you really can't afford, like if Saskatchewan loses this game, even though they're four and two, I guess at that point, they're going to be fourth place in the division. So um, yeah, they, they're going to feel like they've, they've got to win this one too. So it's, it, it's a pretty strange one. JB, it's time for your favorite segment of the week. We've got OCDC. Let's start out with the visiting Saskatchewan Rough Riders. JB, I'm going to get you to go up first as the defensive coordinator for Saskatchewan. How would you stop the Toronto Argonauts offense? Well, uh, that defensive line is really, even even down uh, Marino, is very impressive. Um, and so obviously you're going to you're going to send heat until Toronto shows that they can handle it. Um, you know, Macbeth is a guy who who has to stay on, on schedule to be effective. And if you get into his timing early, if you speed up that clock in his head, you're going to be in good shape. So definitely a lot of heat early. Um, I definitely, you know, I think, I think the the middle of the field clog up still works. Toronto hasn't shown uh, a lot of ability to, to adapt to what has been stopping them. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change my plan to be honest. If, if I felt Toronto was, was using the, you know, was able to use the middle of the field or scheme it up. But so far they, not that I've seen. So clog up the middle get after the quarterback and you know not really worry about the run i don't think the run is gonna is gonna hurt you in terms of the offense for saskatchewan if i'm the offensive coordinator for the rough riders coming in i've I've basically got two things that i want to focus on in attacking toronto's defense first of all i want to show toronto some 
some run plays that they really haven't seen first person before. And I want to go back a couple weeks. Saskatchewan in their second game against Montreal really did some different stuff. We saw them really kind of load up the backfield with multiple backs back there, H-backs back there. Um, and they've got a couple really good running backs that they can go to. We saw how great Hickson looked last week. Morrow's their guy, and he's going to be their guy. But Hickson's a good runner too. And, you know, having having some misdirection plays with two backs, taking a little bit of pressure off, off Bandy at the center spot um, where they've struggled a little bit, or at least they did in his, his first game. They've actually looked pretty good since then. But a lot of it comes from these sort of not really exotic runs. They're actually old school runs, but it's stuff you don't see a lot in the CFL where you're really going heavy and you've got misdirection in there. I think that's one thing I would do just because Toronto hasn't seen it in person. I know they've seen the film of it against Montreal, but I would probably come out with a lot of that. In terms of passing, the new piece to the Argos defense right now is Chris Edwards. And I know he's been around the team. He was with the team last year. He was playing, uh, practicing preseason, etc. That said, he hasn't been in a game with all these guys yet, so I'm going to try and find ways to test him and test his communication. So I want zone beaters to his side of the field specifically. So attacking the strong side of the field um, with especially trips concepts where you can get really tricky with some of those zone beaters and seeing what the level of communication is like in that Toronto secondary. Because while they looked really good against Winnipeg in the weeks prior to they were a disaster in terms of communication. So now Toronto's adding another piece. Now, albeit a great piece, an all-star in Chris Edwards, he's still new to that defensive secondary. So let's let's see what that looks like. Let's see how well they hold up. Let's move over to the good guys, JB. You're the defensive coordinator for the Toronto Argonauts. How are you stopping this Saskatchewan attack? Definitely focusing on the run. Um, you you got to choose your poison. I would, I, you know, they have two effective running backs. You you can't let Saskatchewan run. Uh, um, Fajardo's good, but he's not great. Like, he's not, you know, um, you know, MVP candidate great. So you, you have to force him to beat you. You can't let, you can't fight a two-front war. Load up against a run. Keep that run under control. The Argos, I believe, are built for that. Um, quarterback pressure is not what we're very good at. I think that's pretty clear um, from the defensive line. So I wouldn't waste time on that. Uh, dialing up the occasional secondary blitz is still effective. But uh, keeping the run under control and... Um, and making sure you don't give up yards after catch. Uh, they killed Ottawa with, with the yak. You you have to tackle well in space. I thought they did that really well against Winnipeg. It was actually really noticeable how well the secondary tackled in space. It, that will be the deciding factor. You know, if you, if you allow catches, that's fine. But you can't allow... You know, 15-yard plays to turn into 40-yard plays. You have to tackle well in space. You have to get the guy down. Um, so a focus on tackling and a focus on the run. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, a turnover. I think Fajardo is is vulnerable here. He's not playing at 100%. I know he's not listed on the injury report, but you could just see it in, in last week's game. Like, he's he's walking around with a limp. He's, he's definitely... 
um, nursing an injury. And so I think the the more that you can make him nervous in the pocket, the more you can get after him, the more heat you send. I know he's good at dealing with it, but yeah, I like I like your strategies and I like I like where you're going with it because I think that is going to serve to put a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. And when you've got a quarterback who's not 100% and they feel like they've got to do it all, I, I think the tough. line is good uh, and has shown the ability to stop the run. It's just not a pass rush line. And that is what it is. And I don't think dialing up pressure you know, consistently is going to happen. So you need a different game plan. I'd love to chase them around, but that that's not who they are i'd love to see them play a little more disciplined in terms of setting edges and you know when they're coming around the outside not running past the quarterback you know keeping keeping things tight because those kinds of like deep loop runs are not effective and in truth are are a bit undisciplined that you're not getting there um you're allowing the quarterback to to get out of the zone. Play to your strengths. Play smart, edge setting, run defense. Don't don't get into eight nine step loops trying to get back to the quarterback. That that play doesn't work. That doesn't do anything. And I think by if they can eliminate the run entirely, like like I was saying before, like that just it just puts so much pressure on on a quarterback when they've got to do it all. So yeah, we're we're built uh, we're built for it. I I, I feel confident. Yeah, that, I agree that that could be a focus, and then you live with the air. Yeah, yeah, I'd be fine with that, especially with Edwards back. Uh, he he today in practice, Edwards just reminding me of how good he was. Uh, there was a play where. Uh, look like uh, I think Toronto uh, blitzed a halfback. Uh, I can't. I think it was. I think it was a. I can't remember which side it came from. But Toronto blitzed a halfback. They rolled coverage. Chris Edwards suddenly dropping to the deep middle of the field. It looked like there was a post route wide open, and then Chris Edwards came out of nowhere, made this jumping one handed catch on like a forty yard throw, which you know you just you never see from from a DB or a linebacker. Um, and not only did he catch it with one hand, he then proceeded to run it all the way back. And that's that's the Chris Edwards that this defense has been yeah, missing. Love and I, so. I loved the secondary uh, blitzes that we dialed up. Um, so keep those coming. Yeah, and they, can, and they can do so much more of that now, too. That's something that Chris Edwards allows you to do. And nothing against Robert Priester. I thought he filled in really well. But just watching what what they can do with Edwards uh, because he can kind of play everywhere and he's comfortable uh, with, with CFL football. We saw, we saw with, with Dexter McCoy last year, how much you could do with a guy like that too, who could basically be anybody. And Chris Edwards is a little bit like that. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what the defense dials up this week. I know coach Bell was really fired up. He was getting the secondary fired up They're They're ready to go. The mood of practice was, was very strong today for the Toronto offense against Saskatchewan. I want to see a couple of things. So in terms of the passing game, I want to see rub routes. I want to see crossers. I want to see uh, forced switches as well. Saskatchewan's defense, they send it, they're really aggressive. Where they blow up sometimes is in their aggressiveness and you can sometimes catch them. So first of all, in terms of trying to keep the pressure back, a lot of that stuff's in your face. They're going to have to get rid of the ball fast. And if they're getting rid of the ball fast, I, we need those those legal picks and rub routes because 
the DBs, the reason their defense is so good is the DBs are, are waiting on first moves because they know there's not a lot of time for double moves. There's not a lot of time for deep downfield routes because teams aren't able to protect that well. There may be a chance this week because of some of the, the injury suspension that we talked about. So maybe this buys the Argos a bit more time. But even if it doesn't, rubber routes and crossers, those are great ways to eliminate some of that aggressive play from the defensive secondary. Now, for switches, what I mean by this is that I think you can, you can bait defenders into crashing a little bit when they've got deep responsibilities. And so... Things like uh, concepts where um, this is, would be far easier to draw out than explain. But if you go with me for a second, let's say we were dealing with someone with uh, deep third coverage. They've got deep third coverage and your outside receiver is running like a, a, a deep dig. There's a good chance in this Saskatchewan defense that they're going to, that deep defender, even though that's not maybe his zone, is going to want to come crashing down and take away that deep dig. And this gives you opportunities to run wheel routes around the outside and things like that. I do think you can catch Saskatchewan with this. Really find ways to prey on the aggressive nature of those DBs and have bait for them, have routes that they see coming underneath them and they want to come in. So I do want to see high lows on the free. I want to see um, those trips concepts where you've got a wheel coming around the outside, bait the deep defender into crashing. I think there's there's room for some really big plays there. And then in the run game, I want to bully. I, I think you've got to go aggressively at them. I wouldn't even mind seeing some traditional fullback play, which we haven't really seen yet. Um, I'm fine with the majority of the runs being out of spread. I think they should be. But I think every so often, when you've got a second and four, you just load up and say, okay, let's let's just bring everyone in and let's let's see if we can you know run it down their throats. Uh, I, I think that this... Offense versus defense actually matches up fairly well for a, a bully style run game. Again, not for, you can't do it the whole game, but when you need three or four yards, I think that's when you go after it. All right, JB, let's get into our predictions. How is this game going to finish? You want me to go first or do you want to do it? I want to pick Toronto. Um, I feel the team is still a good team and getting a couple of people back and a team that's going to get some more people back later in the season. I have not given up on this team. The Winnipeg game was was well played and, and very encouraging. My deepest concern is that it's going to be a Saskatchewan home game, which will be, uh, I think, a little deflating um, and tough from a noise perspective in such a small stadium. Um, if you're not prepared for for how loud 10,000 people in, in that stadium. I, I don't know what the acoustics will be like, but I worry that they might be really loud um, with that many people packed into the stadium. So I have Saskatchewan uh, coming out on top 28-21. Okay, your score is pretty similar to me, but I have a different result. I think Toronto's going to do this. Um, I was feeling pretty unsure of things until practice today. Uh, the mood is not like we've seen so far this year. There was a real business vibe to this. There was excitement and energy, and we got a job to do. We got to get things done. Um, and I think Toronto is going to come out on top here. I, I think it's. I think there's going to be a defensive score. I really feel strongly about that, and I think that's what's going to do it. So I say the Argos win 28-24. 
Time for one thing. Where are you going? What's your one thing? What is the one thing you absolutely need to see from the Argonauts this week? A defensive score. Yeah, I think you're going to get it too. Uh, I, I, yeah. again, it's. I mean, need it. We're, I, I have uh, abandoned my uh, special teams uh, berating, praying. Uh, it, <laughs> it is very difficult to only have two units instead of three. So that is a significant issue for the Argos to figure out because teams who are playing good teams look look at you know look at Winnipeg. Um, it it changes momentum. It it changes the tone and feel of the game. It's so hard to not occasionally get that adrenaline shot. So the defense has to uh, score more. Um, you know I I feel that's tough to put on them but if special teams are not going to get it done then defense needs to i do i am curious to see how when you saw that ottawa game saskatchewan is ball hawking like crazy Uh, i would be curious to see how much just thinking about you know us trying to score i hope that they have stuff in there because saskatchewan those guys are looking for picks so I hope that they uh, punish that uh, that energy. To defend the special teams for a moment, I do think there is going to, at some point this season, be a turnaround. Because watching the difference between practices this year and practices last year, the focus on special teams is double or triple what it was last year. Not only the amount of time spent practicing special teams, but the amount of teaching that's going on during those moments and the drills that are special teams oriented as well. They work so hard on special teams play. It hasn't translated yet, but I do think it's going to. At some point it has to, because I really like what I'm what I'm seeing out there in practice. It just doesn't end up being the same thing that we see on game day. And so things like buying space for your returners, uh, you know, your cover teams not allowing anywhere to go. I do think that's going to, at some point, turn this this year. And hopefully it's, it's this week in Halifax. For my one thing, I want to see a deep bomb that is completed perfectly this week. Not a deep bomb that is underthrown and fought over and reviewed three times to see who came up with the football. Not one that is dropped, not one that is overthrown. I want to see a pass of 30 yards or more that lands right in the receiver's hands and he walks into the end zone. That is my one thing this week. Uh, It's time for our fantasy uh, plays for this week and our fantasy advice. We came off a tough loss last week. I thought we we picked a really good team. Uh, You know, we... We had we had Caleros. We felt good about our quarterback play. You know, we had pretty much all the the right Stampeders except for Malik Henry. The Stampeder defense scored huge, but yeah, we got unlucky in our in our head to head. But uh, looking to rebound this week, so there's some pretty good value I think in Trevor Harris this week. I'm going to continue with the going against Edmonton theme because that has worked out for most of the year. Trevor Harris at 8,560. When you compare him to some other quarterbacks, like basically everyone else that's going this week, most are around that ballpark. But you know, you're 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 canceling out uh, Vernon Adams. You're canceling out Jeremiah Masoli. Uh, 
Dane Evans, I think, you know, pretty much the same price point. I just don't, I don't think you, you go that way or McLeod Bethel Thompson and Cody Fajardo is, is over $10,000. So I feel like Trevor Harris is a pretty good play there. We went value for running backs this week because there is good value. Brady Oliveira, who we love. If you don't want to go with Oliveira, Johnny Augustine's a pretty good price too. And we saw him get a lot more involved last week. Um, I would be fine going either way on those guys, but I just think they're a great price under $5,000. And we've been riding Oliveira pretty much every week. So I think we'll we'll stick with that. And then Sherman Beatty uh, may get a bit of a boost this week because we, we thought it would work out well last week for him uh, running for Edmonton. 3500 is a great price uh, for a starting running back. The reason it didn't really work out well from last week is, is Ford got injured early and their entire game plan went out the window. And so I think with a more concrete game plan, I know Cornelius is going to be starting at quarterback this week. Uh, he will throw the ball downfield. That's going to buy a bit of space. And Sherman Beatty, I think this might be this might be the uh, sort of a breakouts too strong. I don't think he's going to have a breakout game per se, but by the Edmonton Elks standards, I think he'll have a breakout game. For receiver, we've got Jalen Acklin in his revenge game. Uh, this is revenge games are almost always a good fantasy strategy and he's going back into Hamilton I know he like obviously the situation at quarterback is is tough he's gonna want to have a good game do you think JB do you think Arbuckle plays this week how do you think that's gonna work for Ottawa are they gonna just have to go with Caleb Evans because it's not enough time for for Arbuckle to get ready Uh, well he he was in Ottawa at one point um I think he will play I, I think that he he gives them the best chance to win the game. Um, you you'd have to run, a, a, but he he's a vet. Uh, you could run a limited playbook, but I think a guy of his experience can go in and run a team with a week's notice. And he did, like you said, he spent a whole year in in Ottawa with La Police, and and he's a hard worker. He's a study guy. He'll have known. I'd really be surprised. Because in the East, the East is is turning into a bit of a well, not turning into the East is a disaster. Uh, you need to win your Eastern games. <laughs> You're not going to win your Western games. So this is a huge game for Ottawa, even though it's in Hamilton. I don't think they want to punt on this game. I think he gives them the best chance to win. I'd be I'd be really surprised if he didn't play. Now, if you find out pregame, and this is going to tie into my Jalen Acklin point where we got off on this tangent, but also quarterback too. If you do find out pregame that Nick Arbuckle is actually going to be uh, taking a bunch of snaps, it's interesting. His price at $6,000, it's it's not cheap, but by quarterback standards, it is. That could be an interesting gamble, but I do think it ups the value of guys like Jalen Acklin because Arbuckle's uh, he's a better passer uh, than Caleb Evans. And so... Uh, I like Jalen Acklin anyway, because I do think he's going to want to put on a show, and I think he will, and his price is good. But especially if if Arbuckle is going to at least play some, because he should know uh, at least the the basics of that offense. And then um, Malik Henry in our other receiver spot, just still a really good price. He's not going to have the week that he did last week, but he should still put up respectable numbers. It's it's tougher in Winnipeg. But he's on fire right now as a receiver, 6457 That's a good price for him. And then that affords us uh, a little bit of room to go big with a flex player. 
I kind of like William Powell uh, as our flex, the running back for Ottawa. Uh, for under $7,000 to get a, a very good running back, uh, on a team that is going to need to be able to run the football this week. And he could benefit from, if it's Caleb Evans going, he can benefit from people having to account for Caleb Evans. But if it's Arbuckle, again, he'll you know he'll have a little bit of space to work with. So I think he's going to be the one guy they kind of have to rely on offensively. And, you know, they, they need a win just like Hamilton. But I think that's a pretty good price for him in our flex spot. And that leaves us with, a minimum price defense, 3200 for the Montreal Alouettes defense. Keep taking whoever is playing Edmonton until they give you reason not to. So that is our fantasy advice for this week. It's time for the picks, JB. Uh, I was 2-1 last week. You were 1-2. I have uh, extended my lead now to, to two games uh, over <laughs> well, you. And, my, my Calgary game was hurt by obviously Edmonton's quarterback being hurt immediately and, and probably more uh, my desire. Well, you didn't to, really want Edmonton no, anyway. I, 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 didn't think, I didn't think Edmonton would win. But nonetheless, I did make the change. I'm ready this week for a, a, an improvement. All right, I'm going to give you, just to, just to handicap this a little bit, I'm going to give you my pick first for each of these plays. Uh, just, just to give you a shot mm-hmm. uh, if you want to change your mind uh, like you did last week. I can tempt you into that. So Edmonton at Montreal. Uh, I'm going Montreal. Yeah. How would you like to play Edmonton again? As they used to say in coded language, I like them big. <laughs> yes. Uh, Calgary at Winnipeg. Uh, I'm going with Winnipeg. I I kind of, this is the one I'm torn on because <laughs> I do think Winnipeg's ready for a letdown. Um, but they're at home and they just don't lose at home. So I, I'm going to go with Winnipeg. But I, like, this is, I if have, you're going to make have, up ground I here. I Calgary. Uh, yeah, I, this is I the place to do it. If if Winnipeg if Winnipeg can win this game, then I think they win the Grey Cup. They played almost a perfect game last week in stomping BC. If they can follow that up without a letdown, then they are uh, a remorseless eating machine. So I'm going to and go with I'm going to go with Calgary to pull the upset. The reason I have Winnipeg is it because like I do expect a letdown. I'm just not sure Calgary is as good as the undefeated Winnipeg Blue Bombers, even though they're both undefeated. Remember, Calgary really should have lost at least once this year. Like that, the Hamilton game, they, they were they were pretty lucky to win that one. You could even say that Montreal game that they won, uh, could, you know, that definitely could have gone both I ways. I'm not sure they're in the Winnipeg same class. Let down after that game, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that. And Toronto, Saskatchewan, we're different there too because I've gone Toronto and you've gone Saskatchewan. Uh, that just leaves us with Ottawa, Hamilton. I hate to do it. I'm picking Hamilton. I think they're going to win this game. I just think there's too much, too much going on at quarterback for Ottawa to overcome. I, I know think this, this, was, is, this, this is this was it. going to be such a great game with the oh, Mazzoli return. Uh, I would have had Ottawa with Mazzoli. Yeah, Hamilton has to win. They have to win. They they have to win. They're they're going to win that game. Well, that gives us two the same two different. So um, right. that's not that's not too bad. Maybe we'll be even after this week. Uh, I'm excited. I can't JB. I can't wait to to hear everything that goes on in Halifax this week. So a uh, wish you a good uh, safe rest of your trip to Halifax, and yeah, have an outstanding time. And yeah, we'll keep in touch and. 
and I, I'm sure you'll tell us all about uh, what's going on in Halifax, all the parties, all the festivities, all the the clinics, uh, you name it. So yeah, that'll be great. Full report to come. That will just about do it for us on this edition of the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough for JB. This is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you. Fight the foe, foe.